The Rogers Post Game Show is heard following each of our NHL broadcasts. Portions of this exclusive NHL broadcast are brought to you by your Alberta Ford dealers, home of the F-Series trucks, Canada's best-selling line of pickup trucks for 55 years, Molson Canadian, one beer, hockey's beer, rep our home, and presented by Rogers. This live play-by-play broadcast is intended for the private entertainment of our audience. Any rebroadcast without the expressed written consent of the Oilers Entertainment Group is strictly prohibited. All games, all seasons, exclusively on the Oilers Radio Network. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For Oshie, scored a couple in this one. He's going to lose it. Here comes McDavid, two on one. He's got Dreisaitl, and over the line on the right, he waves, shoots, scores! That was a thriller. McDavid ends it. An entertaining game front to back. 4-3 Oilers take it after the Capitals. TJ Oshie had tied it with 1.8 seconds left in the third period. Brad Malone, a huge story tonight for the Oilers. The journeyman gets a goal and an assist, and it is a big, big, big two points for Edmonton as they creep a little closer to a playoff spot with now 24 games left in the regular season. Their record, 31-23-4. In the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Rob, a great game. I mean, just entertaining all the way through. A lot of great plays. Both goaltenders were good. Samsonov and Koskinen, star players were getting chances, and... Some unlikely guys <laughs> made an impact tonight. Let's start with, with Brad Malone. I mean, you and I love the story he gets. Uh, I mean, there's so many uh, timelines for him here. So, first of all, he got an assist late in the second period. First NHL point since February 28th, 2016. Then he scores his first goal in the NHL since December 3rd, 2015. And, oh, by the way, the first time he's got two points in an NHL game since March 26th, 2015. Well, it's such a great story because this is a guy that, uh, you know, he's, he's slugging out in the minors, you know, making a living, enjoying himself, playing the game that he loves. And, you know, he'll he'll say, you know, you always hoped you'd get another opportunity. But in the back of your mind, you're, the doubts are there. You're on an American Hockey League contract. Uh, you're there just mainly to, to help lead a bunch of young players, teach them how to be a good professional. But the reason he's there is because he's a good professional. That's who you want to surround your young players with, guys that under know, understand the right way to play, the right way to be both on and off the ice, uh, making good decisions. And because he's such a good shoulder and soldier and unfortunate with injuries up here and COVID or whatnot, they need players. And it's, it was an easy decision for the others to make. Let's bring this guy in and show him a little love for what he's done for the organization. I'm not sure they expected him to be as good as he is. Maybe Jay Woodcroft does because he's had him as a player in the minors for, for a while now. 
but he's moved past players in the depth chart. And he deserves the extra ice time he's getting. He's a big, strong man that plays a simple game. He put pucks on it. He finishes checks. He gets things out. He gets plays pucks in and just does all the little things right. And there's always a spot for a player that plays that way because you earn the trust of your coaching staff knowing that if I, he goes out there, okay, I don't have to worry about him this shift. Who can I look for the next line? And at late in the game, he's taking a face-off in his own end. He's, he, he's got, getting extra shifts in the third period. He rewards his coach for that extra shift by scoring a goal. Uh, Brad Malone uh, was a, had a wonderful game tonight, and I'm sure he'll be going home tonight and, and making a phone call to family saying, you know what? I didn't think this moment was going to happen again, but it sure feels good. Yeah, Malone tonight plays 10 minutes and 10 seconds, gets a goal and an assist. He's plus two with three shots on goal and five hits. That, well, his stat line is a stat line of a player that plays 23 minutes, and he, he had it all crammed into 10 minutes, so uh, good for him. And uh, when and I've been in, in that position, too, where you're, you know, you're at the end of you're, – you're, late in your career, you're a depth role player. Every time you have a good game, know what it gets you? It earns you another game. And that's what he's doing right now. Every time he steps on the ice, he's trying to earn, earn another shift. And then at the end of the night, he's trying to earn one more game. And he certainly has earned his next game after the way he played tonight. So uh, a great game by the Oilers, but the individual stories tonight were a lot of fun too, and Brad Malone was the biggest of those. Yeah, and Kyler Yamamoto scored tonight as well, and I'm just uh, I I'm just tweeting out the link to it because I wrote a story about Yamamoto and Malone from a couple of years ago when Yamamoto had been up with the team for a couple of uh, months in January of 2020, and Yamamoto considered Malone, well, still does, would consider Malone a mentor, and I'll never forget, and the quotes in the story, Yamamoto had a great clip about when he got called up December of 2019, because remember he was in mm -hmm. that New Year's Eve, that crazy game against the Rangers, that Malone said to him, I'm going to miss you, but I hope I never see you again. <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> now, but now they're teammates well, and it with, just shows with the you Oilers, which is cool. In Brad Malone's mind, he was finishing his career in the minors and being a mentor to younger players, and He's been rewarded for, for being the good player down there, the good guy, the good leader. And he's come up here and just shown a professionalism about his game and, and earned some trust. Now, I don't know how long this lasts for Malone when everyone's healthy, but he certainly has put that uh, thought in the back of the coach's mind or the back of the GM's mind. Well, you know what? This guy, he does the right things. Like, this wasn't a, a, a Tuesday night game against the Buffalo Sabres in a 9-3 in a, a victory. This was a good team they're playing against Washington in a big game that the Oilers are desperate for points. The Capitals are, are, are looking for points playing well, and Malone was playing big moments of this hockey game. He's earned his stripes here tonight, and he's earned certainly at least one more look and possibly more. And Malone hitting the score sheet is our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind. Down the line, the Oilers win it 4-3 in overtime. We have seen McDavid and Dreisaitl, one or the other, score on a two-on-one in OT several times, and it's often been the guy on his off wing getting the goal, often on a one-timer. But that time, McDavid got to bring it in on his off wing, and he just decides to shoot. Well, it's funny. The, the player back was Eller, who's a forward. And Eller's uh, probably not had to face a lot of two-on-ones and certainly he's never had to face one against the two best players in the National Hockey League and his whole goal on that one was he, he wasn't letting that pass go across and McDavid read that and 
Samsonov, he, he, he didn't look set. And I think he was expecting the pass to go across, and it didn't. And McDavid caught him napping, put the puck where he wanted to. And we've seen that a lot lately where McDavid comes down, he goes to that same spot. He tries to find Fifehole with a quick shot before the goalie gets his feet and his, and his paddle down. And, and McDavid not only caught it, I mean, it was gaping large, the hole that uh, McDavid was able to put the puck through. Uh, but a, a very fitting end. And there was a collective groan when Oshie scored to tie it with under two seconds left. But what it did give us was a few more minutes of incredible hockey between two teams on top of their game tonight. So as much as it uh, hurt for a second, it certainly made for a much better story tomorrow at, at work or at school. Did you guys see the way that game ended last night? It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this was a great game. The three stars were McDavid, Malone, and Oshie. I'm a little sentimental. I might have picked Malone as the first star just to give him that opportunity. But Oshie scored twice in the third period. I, I thought both goalies were good. I, I, I know I've seen on social media... People uh, getting on Koskinen for Oshie's first goal. Okay, well, you know, Samsonov fumbled the puck on the Oilers' second goal. So, I mean, things, well, things happen in a game yes. with this many scoring opportunities. I, but I thought both goalies uh, were outstanding. I mean, you, you could almost have six or seven stars tonight and, and add the goalies to that list. And I mean, was, that save Samsonov made on Kane when it was 2-1 Edmonton early in the third, and Oshie tied it shortly after that. I mean, that's one of those where we're, we're ready to, to write down the goal on the summary. Let's go down to the Hall of Fame room, head coach Jay Woodcroft. Um, the people that we had dressed tonight was just excellent. Uh, I thought uh, we came out and tried to assert ourselves in the first period. We did that. Um, their goaltender played a heck of a game. Um, we talked in between that that first and second period about outworking a goaltender and uh, not uh, not hanging our head just because he was making a few saves and I thought our group was resilient tonight and found a way to get it done against a really good hockey team. You've had a, an up-close look at this journey this year with Brad Malone. You've been on both sides of it with him. What went through your head when he scores a goal like that? Well, I'm happy for I'm happy for him. I'm happy for our team. Uh, I have a comfort level with Brad Malone. I think he plays the game hard. I think he navigates his way around um, the rink in the right fashion. Uh, I think he's gotten better as a player over the last three years. I've seen it up close. He's he's risen to the occasion in numerous big moments, and that's what leads to that comfort level is those shared circumstances that we have. Um, you know, if I was going to give him any critique tonight, it was his 0 for 3 in the faceoff circle. Uh, you guys had to hit reset pretty quickly after the heart sank with 1.8 seconds left. Kind of what happens in that short time between, you know, the losing it? Well, I, I think we just collectively take a deep breath. We talk about uh, how we're here for the two points. Um, the other team found a way to score a goal with, in the last last few seconds of the game they're a good team uh, but for us we just kept our focus and uh, found a way to win when it counted sometimes when a team's playing well and, and not getting the results it you, you lose a little bit of that focus and it goes the other way until you get some positive reinforcements from that perspective is today fairly important yeah I thought it was a it was a good sign um, our stick-to-itiveness level 
um, not not being deterred by some of the circumstances in the game, including a, a goaltender who played very well, including um, you know uh, maybe missing a few opportunities that we felt we we could have bared down on, and then giving up a late goal. In the end, we found a way to win, and that's a credit to the players in our dressing room. So when you're on the bench and you see Leon and Connor on a two-on-one in the overtime, are you thinking, ah, this is a goal? Um, you know, I've had the experience of seeing them as an assistant coach in those circumstances, and uh, I, don't, I couldn't name two um, players in the world that you'd want on that occasion more than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they found a way to, uh, to convert. So I was quite pleased. Uh, and can you talk to Zach Cassian's game today? I thought it was good. Um, you can't forget that he's missed some time here. Um, he hasn't even, because we haven't practiced as a team a lot, he's, uh, he's missed some of those um, um, experiences of feeling some of the tweaks that we're trying to make. I thought he played simple, straightforward, direct, and, um, you know, that line scored a big goal for us, and I trusted them down the stretch, so I thought they were excellent. Jay, so when, you, when Brad Malone was called up, he was brought up for his, you know, face-offs, which apparently weren't that great to me, but, uh, and, and, you know, other things, you know, checking uh, PK. Um, for him to get that offense, um, you know, when offense has been tough to come by lately, what did that do for your group? How did that maybe help you guys? Yeah, um, I would say that I gave him a little shot about his face-off performance tonight, but I think heading in, he was 77% heading yeah, yeah that, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I think it's big. When, when unusual suspects find a way to contribute to five-on-five -five offense, I think it um, fires the rest of the group up. Uh, everyone's super happy. Um, I thought the way they scored their goals, you look, you know, Malone was with Shore and, and Ryan on that second goal for us. Uh, it was a great track. Um, that's a classic example of making the other team work through five people. Uh, we ended up getting the turnover, going hard to the blue paint, and CC ended up finding a way to come up with that goal. So that was a, a great goal and the type of goal that we think we need to continue to see um, down the stretch run here. And then that third goal for us, I, what I really liked about it was it came... It came uh, after the other team had tied it up, and uh, sometimes you uh, you know it takes you a minute or two to recover. And I, I just thought that for that line to get a forecheck type goal where they got the puck below uh, the goal line and and convert like that, I think it's. Uh, great for team morale. So Brad Malone was a nearly a point per game player for you in Bakersfield, but have you ever seen hands quite like that in tight? That was not a bad goal. Yeah, no, he he has underrated skill. I think uh, I think most of his, his goals would be of the blue collar variety, um, but I've seen him score some nice ones over the years, so happy to see him get it uh, for us, and it was an important goal for our team. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, guys. Okay, live on 6.30, Chad, that's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft after a 4-3 overtime win over the Washington Capitals. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. It's 9.30. Yeah, yes, everybody. Ovi got away with one on Hyman. <laughs> Hyman chasing the puck in the neutral zone with the goalie pulled, and Ovechkin had the stick uh, buried firmly 
wrapped firmly, I guess, around Hyman's uh, right hip bone, preventing Hyman from speeding away. I know I've seen some people saying this should have been an awarded goal. I don't know if the, I, you can award a goal if a player has a clear path to the empty net. I don't know if the officials would have in that case. No, I don't but think it, so. It, I mean, sure, it should have been a penalty. should have been a penalty, but I, I, you saw Oshie complain. He thought there should have been a penalty on uh, Leon on the strip puck that turned into the two-on-one game-winning goal by Connor McDavid. The referees, they, they let it go the last five, six minutes of the game and in overtime. As I, we, me and Muna were talking during the game, they allowed a lot of hooking and holding and little infractions like that go as they did not want to be uh, the reason one team won or lost this hockey game. They just kind of allowed the players to uh, dictate the game themselves. I mean, just a really exciting game, Rob, and I had a lot of stories. I, I know we, we, you know, we like to acknowledge players on the uh, the opposing team, and uh, Nick Backstrom gets to 1,000 career points tonight. Uh, he's twice. A, yeah, twi- yeah, twice. <laughs> the, twice uh, Ovechkin went and took the puck from the referee. The first time he had to give it back. The second time it got to stay. I've always been a huge fan of Backstrom. He is a wonderful player to watch. He has great vision. He moves the puck well. Uh, and uh, you know, just he, he's a great hockey player in the National Hockey League, and a thousand points—that's a pretty, pretty nice number to have. Uh, when everyone that was here tonight are going to say they saw this great game, they'll talk about years later. I saw Alex Ovechkin live, but they're also going to be able to say I saw Nicholas Backstrom because he is going to uh, go down as one of the Washington Capitals' greatest players ever, but also a great player in the National Hockey League. I'm just, I'm just watching Malone's goal again, and and Rob, so many little things can decide a game, and. There were a lot of great plays in this game. There, there were a lot of, a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. at, at some point. There's always mistakes, but you know this, this goal by Malone, the Caps can't get it out up off the wall, and Bouchard, simple play. Yeah, I mean he's shooting, but he's he's not necessarily shooting to score. And Malone initially just tips it, going for a deflection from the high slot, tips it wide. And then Capitals players uh, turn the wrong way. Cassian, nice pass behind the back to Malone. But, uh, I mean, simple play. And you you often say this, and ever, ever since you've brought this up to me, I watch for this a lot. Make defensive players turn. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Malone tips that and the puck's down low instead of being caught by Samsonov, because it was a muffin of a yep. shot. So here's the two Capitals defenders. They turn and they both look at Cassian because the, the tip happened so fast. And, and Cassian finds more. Well, that, that's open. why you throw pucks on net. And, and they don't have to be pucks that are, you're trying to score with. You're just trying to create offensive situations. Uh, there's the tip. If it hits them, we saw earlier Malone's shot that CeCe scored. And, I mean, it's not going to beat any goaltender with that as a, for a goal, but it created a rebound and created chaos in the blue paint. Uh, Malone played well, and we talked about it during the, sh- the the game, Mooner and I, and I think it was well put by Jay Woodcroft after the game. He said he navigates the game the right way, and he does. He's always in the offensive zone. He knows his role. He's a high man, and if there's a chance to finish the check, he does, and if he has no play, he gets it in deep, and in his own zone, off the boards and out. He's not out there trying to force plays. He's out there trying to play the game the proper way as a third or fourth line player does. And if you do it enough times, you earn the coach's trust and the coach's confidence. So in a one-gold game or a tie game late, well, there's no high event with this guy. I know I'm going to get a 45-second shift of low-event hockey, 
and then allow my best players to get some rest, and then they can go out there with the momentum still on our side. Malone deserved every shift that he got in the third period and deserves another shot here against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was a very good hockey player tonight. All right, so the Oilers take it 4-3. The Edmonton Oil Kings win yet again. 7-3 is the final in Medicine Hat as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. There's just one other game going on in the NHL. It's after the first period. The Canadians and the Canucks are tied 1-1. The standings, the Oilers with 66 points. They remain out of the playoffs. They're one point behind Dallas. Dallas advantages they have two games in hand and uh, they're two points behind the first wild card team Nashville Nashville with two games in hand but the Oilers just two points behind Vegas with the same number of games played this was a big one I, I said before the game 50 points remaining the Oilers probably going to get 32 now they got to get 30 out of 48 yeah and that's <laughs> and we'll, why we'll see and it's why last week when they're you know we're getting a lot of calls it's a must-win game they're not must-win games yet it just makes it so you have to beat better teams and that's what they had to do tonight they had to beat a better team and they did and it was a big po two points and a confidence builder they played very well tonight in all aspects of the game from top to bottom and uh Koskin out goalies let goals in that probably if they had a second chance they would make the save it's when they make other big saves, and Koskinen was excellent in this hockey game. He made some big saves at the right moment. Uh, Koskinen has been very, very good for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, what's that? What's his record in the last nine games? He eight, uh, one he'd or eight? be eight, one, and two in his last eleven starts. That's pretty good for a backup goaltender. And Alexander Ovechkin shot the puck over oh. net with 7:50 left in the. You know that would have been to tie it at that point. It was it was 3-2 Edmonton. But, uh, again, at that point, I thought the the comeback was going to be stalled because you're not going to get a better opportunity than the third best goal scorer in the history of the NHL having a puck from yeah. six feet out with a wide open net and nothing touched the puck. So the two get capitals deflected. behind the net both lifted both, both, their hands well, in here. Yeah. Kanetsov went in front of the net. He had his hands up, and then he looked at Ovechkin like seriously, come on, buddy. But. Uh, uh, Sometimes in wins, you need good bounces, good breaks, and obviously that was a good bounce and a good break right there is Alexander the Great, who actually, uh, had a, he did have a rough night. Like, he, he muffed a couple of one-timers. He stick-handled at the blue line here, and it went off the back of his stick all the way about 30 feet back towards his own net. Uh, he, uh, he left his, uh, his hands in Calgary as he was very good there. Tonight wasn't his, his great self but it's still fun watching him play. All right, so the Oilers take it 4-3. $400 donation from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. They give 100 bucks every time the Oilers score. 4-3, Edmonton takes it. In OT, we are happy to hear from you on the CertainTeed hotline, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. And you will hear post-game comments from Brad Malone as well. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Off the draw, rimmed hard by Nurse, kept in by Carlson. Pass on the right to Backstrom, side of the net, out to Oshie, the save made by Koskinen, and he held on. That's Miko Koskinen. Save the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Koskinen stops 29. Samsonov stops 36. Koskinen gets the win. Oilers take it 4-3 in overtime. Special teams, a huge discussion going into this one, Rob. 
Both teams one for four on the power play. Uh, as we update the power plays for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. But most encouraging for the Oilers, a, a dangerous four power plays. Really dangerous. Well, they, they could have scored on all four of them. And that's what we saw earlier in the season. When they didn't score on the power play, it's only because the goaltender made two or three big saves. Uh, as of late, they haven't scored on the power play. They weren't getting chances. Uh, the other team was getting better grade-A scoring chances while shorthanded. Tonight, the others early in the power plays. The first two, they shot a lot. They shot from the back end, and then all of a sudden, the defenders start running around, and that's where your skill takes over. Um, again, as, as I said earlier, Paul Coffey was in Calgary, and we discussed a lot about the power play, and that's the one of the things he kept talking about is the effectiveness of creating plays from the back end by putting pucks on net and, and just forcing them to come out and respect you. If they have to come out high to, to take away the shot from the point, well, that is going to open up things going cross-crease, cross-box, and, and open those pretty plays up. But it all starts with a shot from the back end, and the Oilers did that plenty in the first two power plays, created a number of good scoring chances, and then... The later power plays, the Capitals had to start cheating up high, and that opened the, the down low plays. The Oilers' power play was actually both power plays tonight looked very, very effective, both Washington and, and Edmonton creating grade A scoring chances. If it wasn't for some fantastic goaltending, this might have been a three for four night for either team on the power plays. But the Oilers' power play, that is the most effective and most dangerous it's looked in over a month. And thanks to goals from Yamamoto and Oshi on the man advantage. Omar gets a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. He took the over before the game. Total power play goals, one and a half. That's courtesy River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement. Bet on it. I should also mention, Rob, if you could give out extra stars, what about Jeremy Koopel, the Oilers video coach? Catches another <laughs> offside, then negates a Capitals goal in the second period. Oh, a lot of pressure on him. You know, job on the line. Don't want to mess that one up. Uh... Yeah, it, well, it's funny. As soon as you see them going over there, you know it's no goal. They they do not make mistakes. The the video guys, if if they're calling into the coaching staff saying that's offside, it's 100% offside. And it's Backstrom lost his thousandth point on that one, but it was Backstrom that was offside. It was an easy call once the linesman uh, looked at it. And, and I, I like the fact that if it's really that close, the linesman let it go because you can always take back a goal if it was offside by uh, an inch. You cannot give them another scoring opportunity if you make the missed call. So let it play out, uh, and the referees and the, and the video judge will eventually sort it out for you. But, yeah, that's, what's that, four? Uh, yeah, in the last couple of weeks. In the last yep. couple games, like in the last three games, isn't Two it? Two against Montreal. There was the one last weekend against uh, was it? Carolina. But it was three coaches' challenges, wasn't there? Because wasn't there the goalie interference one for the other team against? Oh, Montreal made that yeah, one. Yeah, so there's that's four in, in two, three games that uh, the referees and the, the, the video judges had to be called upon. But uh, And I, it was an important one, too, when they got that one called back. Uh, and then, fortunately for the Oilers, they didn't allow the exact same goal to be scored yeah, again okay. like they did against the Canadians. So uh, good for uh, the Edmonton Oilers making the right call and allowing the Edmonton Oilers uh, another opportunity to kill off the penalty and get a big victory. We'll get to Brad Malone post-game remarks in about two minutes here, but first we'll go to the Certainty Hotline. We have Jason standing by. Hi, Jason. Go ahead. Uh, good game. I uh, love the show. 
I just got a quick perspective, a uh, question for you guys. Uh, and Reid, you just talked about it regarding what we need for points to make the playoffs. So we're looking about 15, we need 15, 15 wins to make 30 points to get in that playoff spot. The perspective for that I was thinking is, do you think we should be top heavy, meaning we should keep Drysaddle and McDavid together for the rest of the play, rest of the season? That's because the advantages in our uh, winning with them together, it, it, it's it rises like those guys are our dynamic duo, and when they get on that ice together, they control the game. Yeah, uh, I, I just think, wanted to see what you guys. Are. I I think their preference is to play them on different lines most of the time, and and Nugent Hopkins on a even different line and if, if, if and when healthy which is hopefully is in a couple of weeks and, and the caller more or less answered why he says when he said that they're dominant when the two of them are on the ice together they are but then all of a sudden your other three lines are that much weaker and we've seen that before in the past where the Oilers top line will dominate then the next three lines will get beat up and all momentum is lost by the time Connor and Leon get out there again uh, they will they always have the option when needed to put them together later in hockey games, or as we see a lot lately, at the end of periods. But the Edmonton Oilers would like to roll all three of them when all three are healthy. All right, let's go back down to the Hall of Fame room. What a game for this guy. One goal and an assist. Here's Brad Malone. This is awkward. <laughs> Take your time, man. Yeah. Take your time. You let us know when you're ready. Yeah, we're good. Uh, I mean, just describe what that moment's like for you. Uh, just... You know, with this the way this journey's been, and for that moment to happen at that point in the game, what did you feel? Uh, I don't think it's really sunk in yet, to be honest. Uh, feels feels pretty awesome, to be honest. But um, I was just really happy that at the end of the game, there we got the two points. It's uh, it's tough to have an individual game like that, and um, you know, feel good about yourself when you don't get the two points. So it's uh, I know that's kind of the cliche thing, but in all honesty, you just you don't want to be that teammate in the room. So it's uh, it's awesome we got the two points. So when you're done here and you get yourself all dressed and ready to go, like who are the first two phone calls you make? Who are you? Who can you not wait to talk to right now? Uh, it'll be my wife and uh, my uh, my kid Banksy, and then um, probably my parents or my brother, to be honest. So it's a little later out east, but I'm sure they're still up having a glass of whiskey or something. What was their reaction when you signed that deal? Uh, they, um, yeah, I think they were they were happy, but. Uh, we had a family vacation in August um, out in Florida, and I just kind of told them that I was going to kind of go into training camp with the mindset of trying to make the team. And, um, you know, that's been my mindset every year. Um, being a bubble guy, that's, that's kind of the approach you have to take. And um, whether it's wisdom or just opportunity or some fortunate uh, bounces that have kind of went my way, uh, here we are. You, uh, you haven't scored a goal in the NHL since 2015. Uh, I know there's a lot that happens between then and now, but people out there maybe, I don't know if they get it. What, you know, succinctly tell us, what's the journey like from then till now that you've been on before this next goal comes along? Well, probably a lot of outside criticism and doubters in terms of uh, my offensive ability, and I could probably agree with them on a lot of those things. But <laughs> um, you know what, I think it's, it's been a really good journey, to be honest. Um, I, I think I understood who I was as a player and kind of where I fit in things. And, um, you know, I just, I've been kind of repeating it the last couple of weeks, just just work ethic and detail um, and just trying to enjoy myself, to be honest, but in a professional way, um, being a good teammate. And um, you get to work with a lot of great people um, in Bakersfield and up here. And if you just kind of rub shoulders with them, 
you know, over a few years, you just you get better, and they elevate you as an individual, and that's uh, you know that's kind of been my experience. You've been described as a very good soldier for this organization. I know you brought a lot of guys along. Ryan Stanton says hello, by the way. Uh, I know you helped Kato Yamamoto, young guys like that. Now you're here, and there's no more time, I assume, to be a good soldier. Do you have to shift modes a little bit here and become a player again? I think that I think I'm still trying to be a good soldier, to be honest. Um, just with the role I'm in and the situations that I'm in, it's, again, I'm going to go back to it, just work in detail. I'm trying to you know, put my best foot forward and put the team first. And um, it's just work and an attitude, I guess. And um, you can describe it as a soldier, but I guess that's the role I'm in. And I'm really, I mean, I, I, I relish in it. I enjoy it. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. What kind of advice would your father-in-law have after tonight, Kirk? Oh, <laughs> probably not to have too many glasses of wine. Hey. But uh, no, I think he's been really, he's been big for me. Um, he's been a really good, uh, really good support system and uh, you know a big mentor so um, I'm sure he'll be one of the guys that I reach out to here when I get off. So he was probably one of those guys too that were kept telling you to keep plugging along? Yeah he was definitely one of those guys he uh, you know being around each other all summer it's been uh, the last couple of years he's just you know kept instilling uh, confidence in in me as a player and just you know he's been around he's seen it seen it all so uh you know, a little bit of an in on an understanding of how to approach things uh, definitely helped. And, uh, yeah, talked to him the other night. He said, just keep shooting the puck. So here we are. I wonder how Jay Woodcroft being up here kind of is that sort of ray of light that a lot of the Baco guys uh, are looking at and saying, you know what, now I I've got a real shot here to, to get my foot back in the door. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we had a little team meeting after Woody got called up um, down in Bakersfield, and I just said this is a this is an opportunity that every guy in the American League uh, wants um, to have a guy that's seen you every day when the cameras aren't on, whether it's in practice or on the bus or however you uh, you know want to say it. So he's got a really good understanding of who we all are down there, and um, you know, guys should be excited about that opportunity with him here. Yeah, it makes a difference when, when the guy trusts you and you know what he's looking for and then you know that you have his trust, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he's he's seen it. Um, he's been through it. He's been through all the test runs with us down in the American League. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got a good understanding for what each individual is about and what they can bring to the table. Brad, you were saying the other day that you felt like you're here as a fourth liner and, you know, you knew your role face-offs, penalty kill, all that stuff. In your wildest dreams, could you ever imagine a night like tonight where you factor so much into the offense? Nah, yeah, I mean, I want it to be. You know, like I, I don't show up every night and just think, let's just dump it in and get a few hits. I, You know, I still try to have the mentality to try and, you know, contribute offensively. But, uh, you know, it's a little different approach being on that side of, uh, you know, the line or whatever. You just you got to be a little more cautious and, um, you know, just fortunate. Hands look pretty good and tight. Have you been working on that one? Uh, that's that's just uh, that's a great pass by Cass. Um, we, we talked about it before the game just to try to talk to each other, so I gave him a little holler, and, you know, that was right on a tee for me. Well, that is Brad Malone. Great story, a goal and an assist tonight. McDavid wins it in overtime. Oilers four, Capitals three. Kind of funny as he... <laughs> was sitting down to take questions, saying, well, this is awkward. <laughs> and uh, He probably got lost on the way down there. Where do these guys go all the time? And pretty funny, he said, well, when I wasn't in the NHL very much, I heard a lot of criticism of my <laughs> offensive ability. Some of it was probably accurate. 
Uh, not tonight. There's going to be any criticism tonight. He made some good points, and it's funny. The one thing he talked about when he said he had a meeting in Bakersfield and told the players, hey, this is a good thing. This guy knows what you're capable of doing. I've been in that situation. I remember we made a coaching change at the end of my career in Pittsburgh, and they brought in this Ivan Halinka, and they started doing power plays, and they put uh, Darius Kasparitis, who was a forward, or excuse me, who was a defense, and they put him on forward in the power play, and he took my spot. Ivan Halinka knew nothing about me. But he knew who Darius Gasparito was. Gasparitis was. You got to have somebody that knows you, especially if you're uh, uh, lower in the depth chart. You have to have someone that believes in you, that knows what you're capable of doing, that's seen you before. And if you have that, all of a sudden, there's an opportunity. And I think that's what you're seeing with these guys from Bakersfield. Uh, he's he's won games in the minors with these guys. He's put them in certain situations where they've succeeded. They know where there's what what is wanted from them. And so they've got a slight advantage over players that have already been up here. And you look at some of the players that got about where Ryan McLeod has been in the in the lineup ever since he's taken over, where Lagason, a Broberg uh, have been. Nima Linen's come up and, and got big minutes at certain moments. And now it's Brad Malone's job. These are guys that Jay Woodcroft has seen at the best and at the worst. And he knows what they're capable of doing, and he has a trust. And a coach always wants to have trust in the players he puts on the ice. He wants to know an unknown. He wants to know when I put him out on the ice, here's what I'm going to get out of him. And it's much easier to do that with someone that you've seen for years and you've got a relationship with, and those players now have to take advantage of it, and tonight Brad Malone did. All right, let's go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Sir Robert standing by. Hey, Sir Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Well, I was going to say two words, instant classic. I was a, I mean, I, I mean, that was a heck of a game, but I mean, I guess, uh, but I mean, I guess, uh, I guess what I would say is, you know what, I think, uh, I think a lot of times before, I think, I think the Oilers, giving up giving up a tying goal there in the last few seconds i think i think in uh, i think in previous years i think i think the team would have wilted and and possibly lost in overtime but i mean you know you know and for me it wasn't just that it was you know how many how many times throughout the game where washington did something and and I was thinking, oh, 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 here we go, right? And you know, but the Oilers, I guess, you know, are they are they elite yet? No, but you know what? I think that I think they're a team that's still that's still capable of finding ways to win, even when even when the other team throws their best. And I think I think tonight was a really good example of that. Well, I, I mean, let's not fool ourselves here either. I mean, they almost did lose in overtime. <laughs> Because Matthew hit the post, but yeah, I mean they they stuck with it. Uh, I, I mean there were chances both ways. I, I mean McD uh, Drysaitel, Rob, I have so many notes on this game. <laughs> when did he hit the crossbar on that backhand? Oh, that was, that was a wonderful he was, play. He was two-two on that, and that's and that's the thing we've talked about with Drysaitel. And how it's so interesting watching he and McDavid on the same team because McDavid wants to speed the game up. Mm -hmm. That was a three-on-three, three, and Drysaitel's just slowed down I don't and almost let everybody else just and then all of a sudden bang he cuts into the middle and takes it back in I don't think Drysaddle made a took a stride the last five seconds that he had the puck he just opened his legs wide and just glided in there and more or less just had the players confused and then once he saw what he wanted where the players with his two offensive players went through the middle then he cut behind them and uh, we've seen his backhand pass and how strong it is so obviously he's able to elevate quickly with some 
a little bit of force behind it when he shoots the puck on his back end. Uh, it was a great chance. I, I, I disagree a little bit with Sir, Sir Robert there. I've never felt that the Oilers were going to drop a game that they gave up a goal late if they were going into overtime because we always have had Connor and Leon. So I don't care if they score five goals in the last three minutes. If it goes into or, overtime three on three, three. On three. Yeah. yeah, if it goes into overtime three on three, the Oilers still, I like their chances. Uh, highly entertaining game. Lots of fun. And, and they're, it, when two good teams play each other together, there's going to be ebbs and flows. Both teams are going to have times where they dominate, and that's what you would expect. Washington is a very good hockey club, and they showed that tonight too. And whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That would allow you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. Okay, more of your calls after the 10 o'clock news and weather. You're also going to hear from Connor McDavid, who gets the game winner. Oilers four, Capitals three in overtime. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chip. To the blue line, kept in by Bouchard. Hit Sean off a stick, just went wide. Cassian in front. Malone scores! Brad Malone! He puts it in, and the Oilers have a 3-2 lead. Yeah, Malone's first goal in the NHL since December 3rd, 2015. TJ Oshie would tie it with 1.8 seconds left in the third. McDavid wins it 327 into overtime, 4-3. Edmonton is your final. Their record 31-23 and 4. First game of a five-game homestand tonight. Tampa Bay coming up on Saturday. You have 55 minutes to go to the Oilers' website and get a ticket in the Oilers Community Foundation online 50-50. It's in support of Canada-Ukraine Foundation. There's been some early bird draws that have already happened. The total jackpot up to $1.8 million. And so uh, maybe if people hurry, get in there, maybe it gets up to $2 million before 11 o'clock tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, eight stories above the ice at Rogers Place. Great job doing the uh, color up. Oh, thanks. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, working with Mooners quite easy, as was the other night working with Jack. They make it easy for me, but the game tonight made it certainly easy for both Mooner and I, as that was fantastic. Lots to talk about, and the excitement in the building was huge. Yeah, I never really let up tonight. No, there Did was it. there was always uh, something. I mean, the first period was 0-0, yet the Oilers probably had about a dozen grade-A scoring chances, and Koskinen made the one incredible save on Ovechkin. Three goals scored in the second period. Another... Three goals, I guess, in the third period, an overtime period, uh, a review, a called back goal. A guy got his thousandth point. A guy got his first point in seven years. There was just about everything. It was a lot of fun. All right, let's go back to the Certainty Hotline. Ron from Red Deer is standing by. Hey, Ron, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Hey. I believe I believe this game, this win, um, a lot of a lot of credit needs to go to the coaches. They, they worked on the power play, and I was thinking about this here in the last couple of days. They haven't had much practice time in the in the three weeks. It's been minimal, and to the matter of fact that I just, I, I appreciate that you shared the information about Paul Coffey speaking to the players. The coaches really coached well, and they, they're playing tighter, and they're playing harder, and it was a just a beautiful win. I'll listen to you guys' comments. 
Well, he worked on the power play a lot yesterday. They had to because it was a detriment in <laughs> in Calgary. We talked about uh, on the face-off show about the interesting drill that they did. But I mean, yeah, the the coaches had to had to get on that because that I mean that a uh, power play goal might have got you a point out of the game in Calgary, and it helped. Yep. Yeah, I mean, helped tonight. Well, it, it's for like, when Mooner said that the, the the drill they were doing in practice. After he explained it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I've never seen or heard of that before. And now that you talk about it, it, it really resonated in what the others needed to work on. And it forces you to move the puck quickly, make good passes, read the plays fast. And that's what was missing in the others' power play as of late. It, it's, it was lethargic. It was sloppy. Uh, not tonight. As they moved the puck around so well, they probably unlucky just to have the one goal. Easily could have had two or three. And that's what we saw earlier in the season. When the others were playing well, their power play was successful. And when they didn't score on their power play, they created a, uh, an enormous amount of momentum because they almost scored. So the coaching staff uh, found some time to put that into their to their practice plan, and, and it paid off tonight. I mean, this is a team that, with the stars they have, they should be able to score on their power play, and they should be able to win games on their PP. And tonight... Uh, they went a long ways to the victory was the way their power play played. And it gains, it gives confidence to the players on the power play, their skilled players, and it also pushes the momentum in the right direction when they have a good power play going. We're talking a lot about the Malone and McDavid goals. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto got the power play goal his 12th of the season, and Cody Ceci jamming the net after Malone and Ryan got the puck there. He scored his third of the season late in the second period. We will welcome Prish on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Prish, go ahead. Hey guys, great again to call in tonight. Uh, Kane and Drysaddle, they had a great, a great game tonight, but uh, um, I didn't like the goal with 1.8 seconds left. Uh, McDavid had a chance in the overtime. He he did good, but what do you guys think about? You know, everybody's talking about training spending cost, but I think we should just play them out, and maybe we need the offensive. But hey, um, sorry, Prish, I, mi- I missed the that? name. I missed you, the name you said there. Can you give us that last sentence again? Trading Skinner and Koskinen, he thinks. Yeah, uh, Skinner and you know Smith, they, they, you know they play good. But uh, what do you what do you what do you think about? Um, I don't believe the Oilers are going to make a trade for a goaltender. No, it doesn't sound like it. I don't think they are. I think they're going to go with a combination of the three, and whichever one's playing the best is going to get the opportunity. Right now, uh, they're winning with Koskinen, and he he deserves the net. I imagine Koskinen will start against Tampa on Saturday. They get a couple days off in a couple days after that game off. So, to me, the way he's played of a, as of late, he's earned the net, and he'll be the starter on Saturday against Lightning. Well, what did you think about the tying goal, Rob? Because the, the it, it was kind of funny, because Nurse took the puck behind the net, and I thought he skated himself into trouble, but then he reversed back, mm-hmm. and then I thought, oh, great Game's move. But, but then when he rimmed it around, I can't remember what capital kept it in. And he, then, I, and then I think it, he knocked it down to keep it in. Yeah, yeah I, it was, I can't remember who it was, but... Well, and, and Carl- yeah, was a guy on the boards, and it went back to Carlson. We, we've seen so many six-on-fives for the Oilers. When you're on a six-on-five, you always get chances. There's just so many of you on the ice that it's hard to get the puck out. And you need a couple big saves and a couple big blocks to be able to uh, eke out a victory when the other team pulls their goaltender. Uh, the Oilers had done a fantastic job, six on five. They got the pucks down deep. They raced, beat out some icings. They got pucks over the, the blue line. Now, yeah, there should have been a penalty on Ovechkin, but that's, I'm sure Washington's going to find a few that they should have had called against the Oilers. But on that one, it's a desperate play. 
but a smart play by Carlson. He faked the shot. That froze everyone. Whenever someone's shooting and everyone's counting down in their head, they know there's very little time left in the game. They think Carlson's going to shoot because there's three seconds when he gets the puck. Guys are bracing themselves and putting themselves in a shooting lane. And Oshie, smart veteran play. He kicked out high, put himself in a good spot for a one-timer, and let an absolute bomb go. I mean, it, the shot had to be perfect, and it was. So uh, I've... I don't find faults in the Oilers five on six. I think it was just a great play and a great shot by the Washington Capitals. All right, we got Hazen standing by as well. Hi, Hazen, go ahead. Bob, uh, first things first here, Reed. I just want to say thank you for the knowledgeable questions you have in any Oilers media availability. We need more of that uh, as part of Edmonton's media. Uh, secondly, moving on, uh, just want to see what your guys' opinion is on uh, Brad Malone. Obviously, had a great night. Uh, once we heal up and get uh, healthier in the front end, can you see him sticking around over like a Devin Shore or a cold Sevier? That is a great question. No, that is a good question. And again, I go back to what I talked about earlier is the there's a relationship between Jay Woodcroft and Brad Malone, more so than him and a lot of other players on this team. Simply, he's Adam. There's a trust. Um, Malone brings a lot of things that you like about his game. Well, I like that he's hitting. Well, I mean, that's one. I mean, and he's throwing some big hit. He's physical. He understands his role, which is is huge. Uh, apparently, he's quite good at faceoffs. I mean, he, he wasn't tonight, <laughs> but uh, again, it's it's something that Jay Woodcroft has seen before. Uh, it's hard predicting what lines will be in the future because by the time guys get healthy, there might be other players that are unhealthy or injured. But I can say that. Brad Malone is making a case to earn more game situations, play more games as we go forward. And tonight was a a big step for him. Uh, This was a game where he he moved past other players on the Oilers organization in the depth chart. I mean, he played ahead of Benson. He played ahead of Turris. He played ahead of Perlini. Well, they put Turris on LTIR. Yeah, but but he was going to play against... Uh, ahead of tourists and then in the game tonight there was other players that weren't on in the last five minutes brad malone was so take what you want out of that but the coaching staff likes what brad malone does what about the move shore made oh that was oh it's funny there actually again there could have been a penalty on that one because he took the puck to the net and i believe the the defender who was behind him got his stick on the hands of shore because he did a complete spinorama and then pulled it around the goaltender and had a wide-open net, and he just couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, again, there's a guy short. Uh, players that play on your, your fourth line and, and occasionally your third line, depending on how deep you are, uh, know that every opportunity they get, they've got to make the most of it because they don't know when they're going to get. They, the players that are playing on the fourth line know that guys are coming back. They know that Nugent Hopkins is going to get healthy. Pugliarvi is going to get healthy. That's two guys out of the lineup. They don't want to be those players. They want to be in the lineup. So we've seen some really good games from some uh, unheralded players as of late. Malone and and Shore were two of those guys tonight. All right, Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. Here's the guy who got the winner, Connor McDavid. Hey, Connor. Um, Maybe we'll get to the game in a minute, but just a thought on Brad Malone. It was 2015, his last NHL goal. Scores it like that. Just your thoughts on that journey and what that moment was like. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, you want to cheer for. You know, um, really like having him around. Um, His game speaks for itself. You know, he works hard, you know, plays physical, does everything right. So great to see him get rewarded. 
What did you like the most about what your team put out there tonight? Uh, you know, special teams were, were good. I thought there in the second period, you know, we had two big kills to keep them at one, and power play finds a way to get a goal, which was uh, which was important. So, you know, I thought that uh, really swung the momentum of the game. And, um, you know, I thought, uh, you know, we had lots of guys step up, like Bugsy and, and, and Cass, with Cass coming back in the lineup. I thought, uh, you know, they were, they were great. Connor, can you describe the disappointment at the end of the regulation when they scored the goal? Were you thinking to yourself, first off, it could have been a penalty on on Hyman in the middle of the ice they didn't call? Yeah, I would say there could have been a penalty. That was a, that was a hook for sure, but, uh, you know, the refs missed it, and that's that's the way it goes. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, we found a way to, to, to get the two points, which is all that really matters, and, you know, it's disappointing, obviously, giving up that goal, but um, good, we found a way to get a win. And on the two-on-one with yourself and Leon, is it one of those ones where it looked like Eller, who's a forward back, not a defenseman, had Leon covered, so you were shooting pretty much all the way? Uh, you know, you know me. I'm, I'm trying to get him that puck. Um, you know, I always want to get Leo the puck in those types of situations, and you know, I thought Eller actually played it pretty well. You know, we didn't have a ton of speed, all three of us, so you know, he kind of just stood in the middle, and you know, I just tried to take the shot that was there. Good. Thank you. Uh, Connor, there's a talk about obviously the power play last couple days and this morning, and I just wonder what you thought of it, especially a little bit of a different look with Kyler Yamamoto in front getting getting the goal. Yeah, I thought he was great. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that that retrieves pucks, and you know he works so hard to get the puck back, and you know, that's uh, something that uh, you know we needed. So um, you know, he came in, did a great job. I liked our power play. You know, I thought uh, found a way to get a goal there. Uh, I thought our power play early in the third was was good. It built momentum for our group, even though we didn't score, but. Um, yeah. You talked about maybe the disappointment of, of that non-call and obviously the Caps tying the game late. How did you guys kind of regroup heading into overtime? To yeah, I don't think many, you know, I certainly didn't know about the, whatever the, the little play there, um, you know, so didn't really affect me. Um, I thought it's obviously always disappointing giving up a tying goal late in the game, especially that uh, at late in the game. So, um, you know, we need to find a way to close that out. But again, it didn't, uh, it didn't hurt us, which was good. Power play might be up and down a little bit through a season, but when you, you put that five-on-five five game in place, you know, it can just seem to make a real big consistent difference for you. Are you sensing that your five-on-five five game is hitting a level of consistency that, that you guys need it to be? I think it is. You know, early in the year, we were probably getting away with a, a sloppy five-on-five five game and great special teams. And, you know, now we've been playing better five-on-five five and our special teams have been letting us down. So, you know, we obviously need to find consistency throughout the, the game and throughout our are different types of uh, whatever the, 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 the power play and the penalty kill and five on five. So, you know, we did that uh, did that tonight. You guys have been talking lately about a lot of aspects of your game have been trending up, but the but the wins haven't been there. Is it, how important is it to kind of get a breakthrough game where you know you play pretty well and you finally get the result? Yeah, it's always good. You know, these are big points and they all are from from here on out. So, you know, you need to start piling them, piling them up. All right, there's your captain, Connor McDavid, gets a goal and an assist tonight. Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. Uh, we'll uh, fit in another call or two here before we say goodnight. Quick timeout first, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chat For Oshie. Scored a couple in this one. He's going to lose it. Here comes McDavid. Two on one. He's got Dreisaitl. And over the line on the right, he waves, shoots, scores! Connor McDavid! He ends it in 
the finisher this evening. The Oilers are a point behind Dallas for the last wild card spot in the West. Two points behind Vegas for third in the Pacific Division. We'll go to Greg on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Greg. Go ahead. Hey, Greg. Well, perhaps we will not go to Greg. Okay. Well, Rob, that's okay. We'll go to you instead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as exciting as Greg would have been, but I'm here for you. Well, at least he wasn't uh, snoring on the line like that uh, guy Scott from Boston was a couple of months ago. That was uh, that was. I saved that audio. That was funny. We we put many people to sleep, Reed. He's just one of many. Yeah, true. Yeah, and he was in Boston, so even a couple hours. later than, than what, what we uh, usually get here. So, okay, so there's there's one down on the five-game homestand. We know it's going to be critical. Um, you know, I and Bob Bob said this before the show as well, before the game. I think it you got to get a seven-point homestand. So you got the two tonight. Now you got to get five out of the next eight. You got Tampa Bay, who you played well against but lost to a few weeks ago. You got Detroit, Buffalo, and New Jersey which in theory you're going to be favored in, uh, except you're 0-2-1 against those <laughs> those three teams. But, uh, I mean, this uh, – and, look, I, I know some people probably listen, well, they could, they could have lost. Sure, they, they could have lost. But they, they, they won. But I, I actually think top to bottom, this might have been one of the best games the Oilers have played this year, certainly yep. in, in, a, in a while. Like, you, I don't think I look at anybody tonight and say, ah, they, like, didn't have it. I mean, everybody was – had juice tonight, I guess, is a way to put it. No, I agree. And they also played a team that's good, that played well. I thought Washington had a good game. You know, Washington wasn't as good in the first period, but they were better in the second and third. Their goaltender was outstanding. Their power play uh, created a number of chances. They pushed hard in the end. Uh, you like a lot about the game from both sides, and it's probably deserving that both teams got points in this hockey game. Uh, there's there's no bad teams in the National Hockey League now. You know, everyone said when the when the Oilers went into Philadelphia, they have to win there. Well, Philadelphia just beat Vegas. Uh, anyone can win any game on any given night. You have to bring your A game. And you got to get some saves. The Oilers tonight proved they can beat a good team. Now they got to do it again on Saturday. All right, and the other NHL game tonight is 2-2, Canadians and Canucks after two. The Oil Kings won again 7-3 in Medicine Hat. Get more on this one on globalnews.ca or 630chat.com. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 630chat. Next game broadcast Saturday, Oilers versus the Lightning, 630 face-off show, uh, face-off show puck drop at 8 here on 630chat. Bob Stoffer in Bakersfield has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. The Oilers win a tense one, 4-3 over the Capitals in OT. Good night.